Welcome to Decoding Digital Content Marketing. The IAB essay podcast that encourages and develops content marketing in South Africa as a unique, independent discipline and an effective tool for brands to communicate with their audiences. I'm so excited for this episode of our content marketing podcast series with the IAB. And I'm really excited to get stuck into the sort of practical stuff of how content marketing can help supercharge our marketing strategies. Really excited to hear that different points of views. You've got um, myself, I come from agency. My name is Sarah browning Davidis, and I am the chief content officer of Machine for Publishers Group Africa. And I'm also the lead of the IAB's digital content marketing committee. But I'm joined uh, by someone with a publisher hat and someone with a brand hat, which I think is going to make for a really interesting conversation. I'm joined by Gugalisa and I'm joined by Zodboy and I'm going to hand over to Gugalisa to tell us a little bit about her and her role and then we can hand over to Zodwa. Thank you, Sarah. So I'm Gugalisa Zwane Johnson and I have the privilege of working for Old Mutual. Um, I work in the corporate division and I am the executive head of marketing, public affairs and sustainability and really excited to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to get chatting. Zadwa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Sarah. Yes, um, I head up Native Content at Arena Holdings. We're a publisher. Um, I work purely on digital, and that's across brands such as Sunday Times, Business Day, Herald, Dispatch, Sowetan Live. <laughs> I can go on. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of amazing brands in there. Awesome. Thanks, ladies. So I guess, um, you know, we all hear, we all love content marketing. We all understand and believe in its importance, or at least I hope we all do. But we also all know that from all of our different perspectives, content marketing by itself isn't necessarily the hero. It has a huge role to play in supercharging the marketing strategies and marketing mixes that we already play with. And I think it's it has its best value as a sort of layer of strategy that lies that kind of supercharges and amplifies broader strategy. But what what I'd just like to start with is, is to sort of create a distinction between content marketing strategy and all the other marketing strategies that we might we might be playing with, because I think a lot of um, listeners here are familiar with marketing and certainly familiar with marketing strategy, but it can sometimes all blend into one. And sometimes we can think that we do content marketing strategy, but potentially it's branded content or native content. So I'd just love to hear from you in the context of publishing and in the context of your brand, Old Mutual, what content marketing strategy looks like in your mix and, and what you think it's wrong is in your broader marketing mix. So, um, Google Lisa, maybe if you could just start in the context of a mutual, you know, how does content marketing play into your broader marketing mix? It plays a really important part. For us, it really helps from an acquisition perspective and taking um, our customers, our B2B customers, through the, the sales funnel. So from top of funnel, middle of funnel, to bottom of funnel. So whilst kind of your traditional marketing is great around creating awareness, it is quite interruptive, whereas content marketing is fantastic because it's permissive. So whilst you can have your above-the-line campaigns and all of that stuff is great and is great for brand building and awareness, what content marketing does for us is it allows our target audience to give us permission into their world, yeah, and allows mm. us to take them on a journey from top of funnel through to the bottom of funnel. Um, but it really does help get our prospects through the funnel um, and helps with building things like credibility with our prospects. And so it really does a great job in terms of enhancing um, the marketing strategy. 
before he zipped his odd one, I'd love to just understand why permission is so important because I love that. And I think it's such a distinctive thing about content marketing that we we aren't pushing something onto you. Mm. We're actually sort of mingling and, and being kind of part of your space and having permission to talk to you. Yeah. For you, wh- why is that so valuable? Our consumers and our business-to-business buyers and influencers are very, very discerning about the content that they consume. And therefore, we have to get them to come seek our content and to seek our brands. And the only way you do that is through content that, one, adds value to their lives, two, um, helps them make great business decisions and ultimately gets them to choose our brands and our solutions and our products. And that's why it's so important. (laughs) Couldn't agree with you more. That's such a lovely sort of summary of it. Um, Zodwa, talk to me about content marketing within your marketing mix as a publisher. I would say because we are, you know, at service to the public, to our readers, to our audience, content marketing kind of creates a value proposition. So we have a captive audience. We are storytellers. And um, that mix brings in more value in terms of educating our readers um, and also creating a home for our brands and our clients. So I think the most important thing and what we always try to impress upon our clients is that the content, yes, needs to have some kind of value to the reader. It needs to answer the question, you know, why should I read this? Why should I care? So that would be the the kind of proposition on our side. Um, It's to educate, it's to inform, and it's also to, to entertain. And if the audience gets all of those, then, you know, you've hit the nail on the head in terms of content marketing. Mm. Then what I'd love to sort of understand is what next, right? So, and this is a question my clients always ask me is, fantastic, we've got someone's permission to talk to them. Um, We're talking to them in a way that matters, that they are super engaged with, because exactly to your point, Google is adding value. It's something that we've finally got consumers or prospects to seek out. So we've got a captive audience, but so what for my brand? Um, And I think that's also a really interesting point of intersection with other marketing strategies. And so, um, yeah, I'd just love to know, from a from a brand point of view, Google, so what your kind of next is? What do you do with that audience, and why does that matter to you as a brand? I get asked that question by our exco in terms of what next. So you've got award winning content; it's fantastic. What next? And the what next, especially in my world, from a business to business marketing perspective, is that our growth targets and our growth aspirations, and um, when it comes to our content, need to align. So I need to understand that my content interactions from top of funnel to middle of funnel to the bottom of the funnel needs to make sure that I'm able to say, actually, you know what, from this piece of, you know, from this video interaction or from this download of a white paper, I'm able to track that. And I know that that contributed to I don't know, a CFO asking for a quote on a certain um, solution. So it's great to have the wonderful content. It can be engaging. It can be entertaining, but there has to be an end goal towards it. And that is the what next, um, certainly from, from my perspective, is how I can prove the return on content <laughs> for not only myself and for the team, but obviously for the business I work for that is looking for outcomes. And I, I guess what I mean, I also the what next is also a huge part of what clients ask me. And, and one of the challenges we have when we think about content marketing in the broader marketing mix, and actually, frankly, in the bigger business mix, is that often still our worlds are quite siloed. So being able to to track someone through an entire journey with our brand, which isn't just 
anymore on our website and nice and linear and clean and we know who they are and where they went. But it's really messy. Um, I'm just interested from an, from an old mutual point of view because I suspect it's true of so many of, of kind of today's businesses where we've got really siloed um, departments and being able to know who that person is and where they end up and where they land is often not so much a strategic challenge because I think we all agree that how that's super valuable but sometimes it's a really functional operational challenge of how do we connect the dots and I just love some insight for you on, on how you try and tackle that because I think that's a very practical problem that lots of our listeners are kind of trying to ponder with. Mm. It's really, really hard. Um, it's not something that we've cracked. It's something that I'm trying to solve on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Um, so it goes without saying that obviously from a leads perspective, um, sales and marketing need to work quite closely. But, you know, the one thing that I didn't fact in when it came to content marketing, all this great content that we have is kind of automation. Yeah. So CMOs yeah. are the second largest procurers of IT um, in the world today because of exactly this. So we're expecting our content to work hard and get people through the funnel and to, to, to get these great sales in, in some cases. But actually the tracking of that is, is hard. Um, we certainly haven't cracked it. We're trying, mm. we're using tools and we're relying on our agency partners because they've got the proprietary software to help us with it. But just in terms of internal capability, it's hard. Mm. And it requires a lot more integration between kind of sales and marketing and agencies and business development. And so it's not easy. It really isn't easy. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. I think it's a perpetual challenge. And it's one of those things where I think you have to treat it in sprint basis, yeah. base kind of journeys to understand that you need small wins along the way. And that's really what Absolutely. integration and collaboration takes. Zadwa, for you, what is your what next in a publisher world, which is a slightly different model? You know, you have a publisher audience that you guys own that a brand doesn't necessarily own. So, so what is the what next when you're talking to clients about content marketing in the publishing space? I think it's about retention audience retention if you have loyal readers that is the biggest win and keeping them engaged and you can see that with clients who do long sort of standing campaigns rather than one-offs so you know we, we are actually working with old mutual funnily enough i have some great content from you guys um <laughs> And it's great because you're doing kind of a three-pronged approach where you're talking, you know, it's opinion pieces, thought leadership. The, the, the thing is not to do the hard sell. Sometimes you do have to do the hard sell, but it's also, it needs to be framed in a certain way. So it could, it could be like a, a click through to one of your products or new offerings. So I guess the what next is about not just audience retention, it's also client retention. Mm -hmm. So if Old Mutual comes back to us in the next six months and books another campaign, then then we've won. Then that means you're getting what you want and and so are we. And so is the audience. Mm. I think what's also so interesting to me is the intersection of all of these, not just so you have content marketing strategy that we kind of all sit under in a sense, but with underneath that you've got lots of different strategies and audiences and platforms to use, right? So a brand like Old Mutual can go to um, Arena and say, we want to talk to your audience in a way that feels relevant and resonates with them in a way that we really have their permission to because they've given you permission to be in their space. And so we want that credibility with our brand. And that is a totally valid and incredibly important content marketing strategy. 
I think PR has a really interesting intersection there too, in terms of um, sort of the the earned space, which I think is interesting. And then you have your brand owned space um, of how do we as a brand create our own audience uh, and get permission to talk to them in a way where we can start to understand who they are and they come to us and we can start to um, also from a tech point of view know them and um, kind of own their data which I think is a really interesting um, challenge in itself that we know is increasingly becoming super important for brands to be able to do Um, and and I think then also how that ladders into your leads and to ultimately converting that which is where your your activations your campaigns you're more traditional and I, I say that with inverted commas because I don't think that there's much traditional about advertising to be honest particularly on digital advertising but the traditional advertising space comes to play and it's a culmination of all of those strategies and I guess the the interesting thing for me is often from an agency point of view we only hold a certain portion of that business with a client, right? So we can talk to them about content marketing in a certain space, or perhaps you're a creative agency and you talk about the campaign space, or maybe you're the PR agency, um, or you're the publisher who has a relationship with uh, with Old Mutual. Um, and so linking that all together holistically is really tough. Also because on the brand side, it's not necessarily all interconnected. You know, you'll have a corporate communications team who are doing some of that. You'll have a, you know, a, the B2B team who specifically talking about market marketing or specifically talking about sales. Um, and I guess, I mean, we're not going to solve that. I think, I think if we could solve that, we'd all be millionaires tomorrow, but I'd love to know some of your tips on how to drive those conversations towards holistic strategic thinking. Cause I do think one of the challenges content marketing has is often we are siloed from the rest of those thinking, um, which is also makes it really difficult to show the true value and effectiveness of content marketing. Because Google, to your point, it's got to be attributable to your broader strategy and to your broader um, ecosystem. So, yeah, Google, I don't know if you have any thoughts around how do we take marketers, brands, um, publishers and executive stakeholders, decision makers in the business who may not be marketers Mm -hmm. on the journey of understanding the content marketing strategy as part of a broader business strategy? I think that, you know, some of our exco colleagues are very used to the traditional, you know, um, marketing return on investment figures. And they're used to seeing that. And you come in with something like content marketing and they're not quite convinced about it. And content marketing for me and my experience is you need to be in for the long haul. It's one of these things where you're not going to see, especially in my world, where the sales cycle is so long and the customer journey is so long. You're going to see return on, you know, your content in two weeks. And so really it's about making sure that you demonstrate what it can do. And I do that by making sure that I use agencies that are best of breed you know, who do have the expertise, Mm. who can help me herd the cats, whether that's internally with other agencies to bring um, everyone through, because we can't do it all. We're in a world where budgets aren't what they used to be, um, organization structures aren't what they used to be. So you've got pared down marketing organizations, um, you're spending less with the agency, and we have to make sure that what we do is cost effective. And I found that by using um, best of breed content agencies who have strong teams, strategic teams who are able to bring in the above the line agencies and the digital agencies that helps um, in terms of that. But it's not easy. It sometimes feels like you're herding mm. cats. 
And many times we are running around the room herding cats. But I do find I do rely on my agency partners. I make them part of my um, my extended team. And if that means all of us going and having a presentation at Exco to start demonstrating some of the great stuff we've done, that's what we need to do. So that's how mm. I've done it. I love that. I love that because it's also the premise of content marketing is true partnership, authentic mm. relationship, being in it together, which I think is, is super powerful. Zadwa, so for you, um, when you deal with, with clients who are obviously coming to you with a publisher view, like we, we, we want your audience and your credibility and what you know about who you're typically engaged with, how do you um, help clients understand that as part of their broader marketing space, which, which you might not even be given sight of? It's quite a tricky one as well, because I think what happens is that there is a very tricky relationship between agency and the client and the publisher. And the agency tends to be the middleman. So the agency has a brief from their client and they'll come to us. And yes, they'll say they want to tap into our audience, but the brand wants a specific message. And we'll say, okay, that's not necessarily going to work with this particular audience. Maybe try that audience. And they'll say, no, we want, let's say, business day. And we'll say, no, this is more Sowetan Live. Um, and also, we need to make the content fit in with that platform. And the resistance needs to be almost, I don't know, mitigated in some way. And I think the agency does play a, a very important role in that. But often, you know, we lose that that battle with um, with that whole sort of <laughs> that triad because who you know who wins in the end? Most in most cases, as the publisher, we kind of have to go with what the client wants and what the agency communicates. But then you'll find that the campaign falls flat, and then the agency will come back and say, "Well." what happened here, <laughs> you know, and we'll try and explain that, you know, obviously it has to look and feel and sound like something that a reader would want to read, what's the value proposition, etc. So it is quite a, it's quite complicated, but we do our best mm. to try and kind of um, explain what the objective is. And, I, and often I come and say, what does success look like? Do you want, yeah. um, you know, three unique users reading the article and maybe, you know, those are your great three leads because it's a niche platform um, like Wanted, um, which is Business Day's sort of lifestyle offering? Or do you want 30,000 unique readers who do nothing with it except read? So I think that's that's often the question that gets to the, you know, the solution mm. I just want to say Zotto makes an amazing point because we often forget as marketers. So we get our clients from their buying behavior and, you know, what they want in terms of financial services. But actually, it's the publishers who know how they consume and what they consume. Um, and as much as we trust the agencies, it's really important to trust the publishers, especially in content marketing, because that's the only way you start building up your readership and your following and everything else. So Zotto makes a good, a really great point there. Um, and I often forget that because <laughs> sometimes it's we want our way and this is how it's going to happen. But, um, yeah, it's an excellent point. Yeah, I was also going to build on that because I think it's such a core tenant of good content marketing. And it is so difficult to keep sacred because it's always held in tension with brand objectives, brand ID you know, brand CI. And, and that is led at a sort of more top level view that doesn't have the kind of specifics of content marketing in mind, right? Um, but I think it is such an interesting challenge and it's certainly a challenge we have as agency too of how do we 
adequately and appropriately represent the business, the product, ultimately, you know, what the client wants to sell or, or, or advertise, but do it in a way which fundamentally is what content marketing was all about, which is the audience mm. um, and meeting an audience where they are. And I think that's where often where publishers come in, you know, publishers already have a captive audience. They already have a deep understanding of what it means to serve that audience and to, to communicate in a very synergetic, collaborative way with that, that, that audience. But also like potentially use language or mediums or content ideas that feel really offside for the brand, but are actually super relevant to the consumer, the audience's expectation or need. So I always use this example of an alcohol brand that I, that I work with has looked at doing sort of horoscopes and, and something really left field for them, for them to be involved in. But the truth is their audience are in a space where they are actively opting in and subscribing to that kind of content. And if that's what they're looking for and that's what they need, why not play in that space? It, it, you know, yes, at some point along the marketing journey, we've got to take them from star signs and astrology into drinking occasions and buying bottles. But we also have to understand that not most of us, thank goodness, in some ways, don't wake up thinking, I need to buy this bottle. We actually wake up thinking, I wonder what's going to happen today. You know, these are the anxieties and pain points and concerns I have. And I think that's a really interesting strategic tension point of finding those those sort of what I call pain points or, or trigger points, moments of need or desire, whether that's for education, information or for pure entertainment, and then finding the intersection with brands of where that becomes appropriate with a brand's expertise, a brand's offering, what a brand ultimately wants to achieve. Um, but having space to play with that being a little bit left field. Um, and also a bit experimental, because I, I, as I'm sure Zodba, you'll also know, like one of the big challenges of content creation is keeping up with evolving needs and expectations of consumers. And they, they don't, you know, we don't follow formulas. Zodba, maybe you can talk a little about that sort of appetite of clients and agencies to play and experiment, because the lovely thing about digital content marketing is it's live, it's real, we can change it and chop it and check it all the time. We don't have to sort of put all our money in one place and sit on it for five years and hope it works. So... Um, yeah, so I think, how do you get clients to have that appetite to try something that maybe they would never think is, is aligned to their brand, but is 100% aligned to the audience that they're trying to reach and is a great way to start having a meaningful conversation with them? Right, that is the challenge, the ultimate challenge, because we kind of know what content um, tends to to resonate and which content doesn't. So what I would like to do is kind of switch the relationship that the publisher has, where we're doing more of the kind of, we're approaching the client and saying, this is the idea that we have for you, rather than waiting for them to come to us. And I think the ultimate sort of way to get through is for the, the agency, the publisher, and the client to kind of sit around a table, rather than mm. being, you know, having the, the agency being the, the go-between or the middleman to communicate, you know. Mm. So, Yeah. It's a long game. It's, it's really interesting. Mm. And and Google is a um, opportunity or like what convinces you to take a risk as a brand? You know, what, what do agencies and publishers, you know, or anyone actually need to do to say, cool, I'm going to give it a crack. And, and if brand come down on me, so be it. But I think that this could be something really exciting. So I was exactly in this situation about three months ago because it feels counterintuitive to do something where you're not slapping the brand on and, you know, talking about doing the shameless plug about your products and solutions. 
Um, when we started doing uh, account-based marketing, one of the things where, you know, once we had our, our personas and the people wanted to target, one of the things that the agency said to us was, you can't go with a brand plug here. Talk about what interests mm-hmm. them. Um, and one of our prospects, I think, was was interested in um, hiking and hiking up Everest. So we were creating content around hike, mountain climbing and, and hiking um, to be able to entice them. And it felt completely um, counterintuitive. But actually, if you wait and you're patient to get them through that, to get them hooked, to get them interested in the content where you can then slowly start seeding the branded stuff, um, it absolutely works. Um, and what happens is because you're adding value to their lives, they're more um, likely to start listening, to sit up, to say, actually not, old mutual, whatever brand it is, gets me. They understand. Um, so, yeah, I would encourage marketers to... To go with it, it does feel counterintuitive, it does feel scary, and no, you're not going to be able to um, prove return on content immediately, but in the long run, it does absolutely work out. That's it. That's exactly it. It's it's that return that the client wants to see, and it's not an immediate thing. It's, exactly. you know, it's it's months, and it's it's it takes maybe, let's say, six to 12 months to see some kind of tangible mm. return, because you almost have to court that audience. You have to convince them that you actually are interested in what they're interested in and you're not just trying to sell them a product um, yeah. or push their brand, your brand in their faces. Yeah. So, so yes, definitely it is. It's it is. a long game. And the problem is, is that um, whilst I think there's, there's marketers who just are, are, you know, quite scared to take the risk, our ex-girls and the people we put into don't have the strategic patience um, for content marketing. And I think that is one of the biggest drawbacks about trying to sell content marketing into an organization, into a business to say, actually, this can help with pipeline is because there's no strategic patience for it. Hmm? They're wanting that call to action. Them. Someone must click on, someone must buy. It must be done within a week. And unfortunately, can't, you can't. Um, it's a patience. It's a slow burn. It's so interesting because I was having a conversation with one of my clients' executive teams with exactly this point of, obviously, I'm coming from a content marketing bias and lens, but actually, fundamentally, as a business, I believe so strongly in long-termism KPIs, you know, not, and I know B2B is a bit different because your cycles are are much longer and and much more sort of high value in many ways. But the sort of quarterly KPIs that so many of my clients have, and even annual KPIs, don't lend themselves, in my view, to sustainable business thinking and sustainable understanding of humans. You know, we don't trust people in two weeks. I don't agree to marry somebody after three months. Um, I, I certainly don't give away money to somebody I've, I've only met a few times. And I, and I think if we can think of it like that and you sort of put a human uh, um, kind of appearance to our marketing uh, approaches full stop, we would be able to think more long term. And I think... Particularly, I mean, and Google, you mentioned this earlier in the conversation, you know, we are incredibly smart, savvy consumers. Um, we are incredibly private. Actually, I was looking at some Hootsuite stats. South Africans really are some of the, the top in the world for, for being incredibly cynical about mis- misinformation, for using ad blockers, for being really kind of quite possessive. And I think rightly so about our personal data and our, our, our money and our information. And so really we're in a space where more than ever, to expect somebody to do anything, even just give us their email address or say, yes, you can keep talking to me over a few weeks or a few quarters is, is, is quite a strange idea to have. Mm. And I think, but that requires 
top-down business strategic change mm-hmm. because the way we measure ourselves and success and the way we incentivize sort of strategic thinking in a business then has to be longer than even a year. And I realize that has all sorts of challenges. And, and I understand that, you know, so many of our businesses are under financial pressure to deliver. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a really interesting kind of systemic cultural thing that I think we have to change in the way that all of us think. And, under, you know, humanizing content marketing, if, I think if you think of it like that, content make, marketing to me just makes so much sense. Yeah. Because, of course, I'm not going to ask someone to do something costly if I don't know them. Um, and I also can't pretend to know somebody if I stop talking to them the moment they do what I ask them to do. Like, that is deeply contrived, which for me is, is often how advertising can feel. But it's a challenge because it has business and operational roadblocks. And I'm not sure how we shift that other than to interrogate every, every brief, every objective, every KPI and say, hang on, but could we do this better? Could we make it more meaningful? But it's quite a big thing to try and shift in all of us, even in our own thinking, because I think we all love to see quick, quick results and successes. Mm, but I also think it's, it's, I mean, you mentioned siloed thinking. Um, I think it's, it, it works to have that separation where you do have somebody who wears that editorial hat making those decisions on behalf of the audience because the client might ne- not necessarily, they want to tap into that audience, but then might not necessarily be thinking authentically, <laughs> you know, yeah. around that audience. Um, so I think it's good to have almost like a separation, like in the old days, you know, the newsrooms where the content marketing did not come anywhere close to the editorial. Um, and now we've kind of blurred those lines. But, I, you know, with my hat, I come from a very a, a pure sort of newsroom background as well. Um, but I've always been about, you know, making it make business sense. So I think it's also good to have that siloed thinking in a way where somebody does get to look at that content, you know, purely from that that audience perspective, that editorial value. Does it have, you know, has it done its its due diligence? You'll get clients who'll say, we are the best at such and such in the headline without any proof to back it up. So it's that it's those kind of things that you have to look out for when you are you know, crafting that that content that speaks to, to an audience or platform. Absolutely. And so I think what's important from my perspective is that, you know, I talked about content marketing almost being permissive. Once someone has opted in, I am guarding that opt-in with everything I have because it's so precious, because it's one click to opt out. And if mm. I listen to my ex go and just kind of flooded our prospects and, you know, people on our database with information, they would have opted out long ago. And so it's that editorial control in terms of, hang on, <laughs> I know it's important. I know the competitors have said some stuff about stuff we also sell, but I'm not sending them an email on this. Oh, I'm not going to send, you know, an article about this because you can't. There is that tempering of what we do. Um, and I think the editorial control is, is, is really, really important. Um, so mm. completely, yeah, I agree with that. The one question I would love to ask um, around content marketing to the both of you is from an agency perspective. I'm looking for a unicorn. So I'm looking for um, best of breed content agency that has really great digital, that has a great publishing capability. Do you think we'll ever get there from an agency perspective? Because I think it's such a good question. And I think the answer is yes, but I do think it's rare. 
And I think it comes back to the same comments I was making about organizations needing to be more integrated and less siloed is the same comment I think I have to reflect on as coming from an agency. And we've certainly seen agencies make business moves to try and shift that. I mean, Publicis is a good example, a holding company that has bought out a whole bunch of capabilities and put them together and is saying, you know, now you need to get on and you need to play and you need to be nice to each other, you need to share. And our challenges are also like business challenges. How do, we, how do we encourage people to share? How do we incentivize collaboration? How do we deliver, first and foremost, what our clients need, not necessarily what we as individual agencies want or think is right? Because that also can, be, you know, can become a bit, a bit kind of divorced from, from reality. Yeah. But I, I think that's also why for me, choosing agencies that identify with the values and culture of how you work is really important because that for me underpins um, approach. Any agency can go hire specialists and can get some of the smartest people in the business in to help you with your specific needs and requirements. That isn't the difficult bit. Mm. You know, I think the difficult bit is having a a cultural approach and a mindset of saying, we're co-invested with you as a business. We understand you. We're willing to stand in front of the exco with you and say this didn't work because of this and this is what we're going to do about it. And I think that is a relationship thing. And I think that's rare anywhere in any business to find people who are willing to, to walk that road with you and to get stuck in and get dirty and, and really figure that out. And I'd like to think that agencies are moving in that way, but I suspect it's more about the people yeah. than the agency. And finding, finding those people, and I, I often, you know, we, we go through 101 pitches, it seems, every week. And you often ask yourself, you know, what makes an, a client choose a certain agency? And I'd like to think that it's less to do with the work, because frankly, I think the quality of work across most agencies and pitches is, is good. It's strong. Like, it's always hard to tell the difference between them. I, I think we've got some really incredible creative um, uh, talent in, in this country across all agencies. I'd like to think it's about relationship and synergy and chemistry. Um, and, and, and I think that's the key uh, and building that relationship. But that's, that's difficult to do. And it's also, and this is kind of a bit of a sidebar, but that takes time. I mean, we just, we've yes. just talked about that. So I do also <laughs> struggle with the sort of, you know, procurement cycle that I think also disadvantages brand and agency to build relationship and to build a team that takes time uh, and I think the best if I think of the best client relationships that I think we've got we, you know Sunlam Reality we've had for close to eight years well that's huge from a relationship point of view and it means that our client at Sunlam Reality can say to us this isn't working for me we need this kind of stuff and we can go and invest in that because there is co-investment in that partnership I mean that's just one example but I think that is the opportunity with relationship um, to be able to do that. Uh, and I do think some of our, um, our approaches to agency client relationship to procurement, I think has distanced relationship from that. Yeah. Sometimes with good intent for governance or, or kind of transparency. But I think, and certainly, I don't know if you've done any pitch work during lockdown, but remote pitching for me is the absolute worst because you can't, you can't see me and feel me and know that maybe you know, you and I would work well together or we wouldn't. And I do think there's a bit of onus on agency that, you know, when we field pitch teams, those people who you buy into need to remain involved in the process. Um, and I think that's a, that's a really practical challenge that I think agencies can do better at. But yeah, I think the short answer is yes, but I think it's probably less about capability and more about cultural fit and chemistry 
and the ability to have really honest conversations about what you need and what isn't working and, and the pressures that you're under and the pressures that we're under and, and scaling and moving and, and adapting yeah. to, to make that work. But yeah, I mean, so it's a, it's a really good question. <laughs> it is a really good question. I was also thinking just on two things, just with the recent trend, you mentioned it earlier, Sarah, about the buyouts of, of smaller agencies. I like to call them super agencies <laughs> that are kind of coming to the fore almost. But I don't necessarily think, I mean, depending on what that objective is and what that vision is, there are so many great agencies that are small and that specialize in particular things. And you see it all the time where these huge agencies that want to be everything to clients, it doesn't necessarily work that way. Um, and I think a lot of clients are also, or brands are kind of moving into bringing those agencies internally and trying to staff up that way and then kind of zone in or zero in on the on the areas that they specialize in or can specialize in. But I don't necessarily think that, you know, it's such a great idea to have these agencies that offer everything from digital to yeah. traditional media to, you know, it's quite, it's quite apparent when you do work with them that they don't have that special skill set that the smaller agencies can kind of provide. But I guess that also depends on the makeup of the agency and how it's set up um, and that relationship as well internally. And as you said, Sarah, the, the culture fit with, with the mm. client too is, is critical. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And if there's one thing from a publishing perspective and from an agency's perspective, you could say to marketers who are embarking on this content marketing journey, what would it be? I would say, don't just give me the brief, give me the business challenge and trust me enough to bring me into that space. Because I think to your point, Gugulisa, about the challenges you face from a strategic and business point of view internally and understanding how to frame that up in a way that's appropriate, agencies often don't get sight of, um, which is really unhelpful. But I also think because the nature of good content marketing is about understanding the human needs and problems and experiences and framing that up in a way that's appropriate and given that I'm not going to be able to turn around to you next week and say cool this is what we did and this is why it worked I love to be able to understand that sure this is the immediate brief but here's the big business problem let's think about how this fits into that and let me be equally accountable to you and to your team about the outcomes as you feel to your executive team so if you can trust me to bring me more into that space and that requires a huge degree of trust I do think that anything that we do um, together is going to be more effective be honest about what you want to achieve as the client because it doesn't make sense um, you know to say that you want to speak to our audience and you know talk about women's month and then shove your product in there. If you want to talk about your product, let's talk about your product. Yeah. Um, and if you, don't, you do want to kind of speak to women on that level, then let's craft that message together. So I would say, yeah, just, just be honest about what your ultimate goal is. Awesome. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you, Gugulisa and Zodwa, for the fantastic conversation and insights and for being so, I think, truthful and authentic in your responses. It's really, really interesting. I wish we had more time to have these kinds of conversations to shift our thinking and, and help us think bigger than what, we'd, what we've got to get done today, which I know is always the challenge. Uh, for me, I think the big thing 
that I'm going to walk away with is, is partnership. And it, it's, it's maybe feels a bit trite, but I don't think it is because I don't think any of us get this right all the time. But I think particularly in the context of, you know, agency, publisher, client, um, and Zodwa, resonating to me, your point about agency as the middleman, you know, being able to share and be more open source and collaborative in what we do ultimately means that when I get a brief that I have to deliver for a client, I deliver it better. And that has to serve me well. And partnership within, within our clients' businesses to help understand and navigate the real business pressures of, of, of kind of today's operating environment for CMOs. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my take home thought for today. I'll build on that, Sarah. I think, you know, I agree with you in terms of partnerships. But I think there's something else that you said around trust, um, trusting both agency and our publishers to do the best for the people that we're talking to, for our clients. So taking that customer-centric approach and making sure that the agencies are aware of it, the publishers are aware of it, we are aware of it, um, and doing what's in the best interest first of the client that we're trying to serve or the customer we're trying to get, and then the brand. But yeah, thank you. That's my my takeout. Cool. Um, I think my takeout is it's not often that you get to talk about content marketing, actually, because you're so embedded in it. It's it's kind of second nature. Well, for me, for me, it is anyway in the space that I occupy. But I, I think my kind of my message is: let's create great content. Let's not think of it as, you know, content marketing. Let's tell interesting stories. Let's engage with the audience. Let's also hear from them. Let's not always look at it as a kind of a one-way, you know, client to audience kind of view. You know, there are podcasts, there's video, there's so much that we can do in terms of, of storytelling. And I just can't wait until our country does it better and continues to grow to serve, you know, its audience and also, you know, to tell great brand stories too. So, so yeah, that's my take out. Awesome. You've been listening to the IAB SA podcast, Decoding Digital Content Marketing. Another solid gold production.